episode. This is Tooth Be Toad. This is Dr. Walter Aka. I'm by myself tonight, but I have a special guest, a friend of mine who I really adore and, and really care about because she is the nicest person you'll ever meet. Absolutely the the happiest person I've ever met. You know, Dr. Rose says, what's going on? How you doing? Hi, Dr. Aka. Hi, how are you? Good, good. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. And the reason why I'm actually bringing you on is because you're a recent graduate from dental school. Yeah. You know, and, and sometimes Dr. Cradock and I basically complain about uh, dental school this and student loans and all this other stuff. So we said, you know what, why don't we bring somebody on that just went through the process of going through dental school? You know, but with you, it's a little bit of a of a little surprise because you actually were a hygienist before going to dental school, correct? Correct. Yeah. Yes, so sir. please just give us a little background. Um, just let us know who you are, please. Sure. So I uh, I would say that I would I was a non traditional student. Uh, basically, I'm uh, older in age. I practiced dental hygiene, you know, for 13 years. Married with uh, five children, so dental school was a challenge in general. You know. Um, Wait a minute. You mean you had five kids, and dental school was a challenge? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so oh, for anybody that wants to go to dental school, having five kids is easier than dental school. <laughs> yeah. So that's awesome. Um, dental school alone is a challenge. On top of you know having a family and right. children was was just you know extra icing on the cake, but. Uh, Yes, um, having said, you know, that of, uh, me being experienced for 13 years in, in dental hygiene, it did, you know, it did help in, in my dentistry today that I, I do as a new graduate. Um, one of the things that I do notice that, you know, being a new graduate is that, uh, the patients do, you know, for the most part are receptive, but a lot of them think I'm very young and question me on how long I've been doing. So, if so far that I've since I've been practicing, I think that's one of the main questions that uh, that they do ask me. Um, I guess I look uh, a little bit younger than you, what I really am. Which that's right. I, I'll take that. Dang but, right. But that's right. It is, <laughs> it is a it is something that I have to overcome with them on gaining their trust. Okay, so you know, uh, please give us the background. So when did you actually graduate from dental school? I know the answer, but. Yes. So I graduated this year, which uh, was in May of 2018. See? Okay, so, so I have been practicing since basically dentistry since June. Right. So okay. It's only been... Mm-hmm. But, you know, but for me, I don't look at it as you just started practicing, right? Because when you're in dental school, you have to see patients. Correct. You work on patients. Correct. Right. So Correct. so really, to me, and, and what do you say to patients that ask you, oh, so how long have you been doing this? So I normally say I, and I I do you're exactly right I count dental school because I was seeing patients you, you know should. for two years so I say for several years or a couple years they never really ask me in detail how many years they're just say more or less how long you've been doing this so I always come back with several a uh, couple of years I've been doing this and then I do express that I was in dental hygiene for 13 years and once I give them that reassurance they seem a lot more receptive that oh okay you're just not 23 years old and you just, you know, graduated. So right. You, you have, when, you, you're seasoned. Yes, exactly. That's so it. once they feel that, they feel, I, I feel like I see them take that nice deep breath and just like, oh, what a relief. Okay. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. So, okay, yeah. let's go back to dental school. Okay. So when it came to uh, saying, hey, you know what? I'm done with hygiene for right now, but I'm going to go to dental school. So I'm going to take it to the next level. Right. 
Right. When you took the DATs, right, the dental admissions test, how difficult uh-huh. was it? Did you do a prep course or anything at all? No, I didn't. As a matter of fact, good question. Um, I did not. I did take the DAT twice. Uh, the very first time I didn't prepare, I think I prepared for all subjects except for reading. And I thought, well, how hard is reading? That's not too bad. Well, lo and behold, when I went and prepared, I, I think I took like a couple practice tests, which I didn't take it too seriously. But uh, when it came to the real DAT, I got I ran out of time. So running out of time on the reading part hurt my score. Right. So I prepped myself and I did more practice tests, but I didn't take any prep courses. I took a call chat video like for chemistry and OCHEM, general chem and OCHEM. Right. So I, I kind of self-taught myself through chat videos and whatever uh, material at that time was popular. So I basically just taught myself for six to eight weeks, uh, probably eight hours or probably more a day for eight weeks. So you prepared for about eight weeks before you took the exam. Correct. Okay, you know, let me tell you a little story about myself. When it, It's funny you bring up the reading section because that was the worst section for me. Okay, I took the <laughs> DAT. I studied for three months, and that uh-huh. reading section was the worst. And so, like, normally, like, the average is, like, 18, 19. Correct. Yeah. I got a 15, Okay. Oh, yes. Yeah, and, 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 yeah. and, and so at the time when I remember when I was taking, I took it and I saw that score everywhere else, I did pretty good. Right. Except for that section. I literally called University of Pittsburgh. Actually, no, actually I was at Pittsburgh at the time. I ran uh-huh. up the hill to the admissions office, talked to uh-huh. uh, the, the lady Rose. And I said, you do know I can read. Right. And she's like, what are you talking about? I was like, you, when you see my score, you're going to think I can't read but I promise you I can read. And my wife to this day doesn't believe I can read, but that's another story. But, you know what I mean? But that was something that, you know, I can honestly say it's not that serious when it comes to the yeah. reading section. As long as you can think logically, which you, I know you can, you know what I mean? Right. So, right. yeah, that was that was my worst section as well. Well, that that's good to know that someone was out there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Borderline, borderline illiterate. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you think, uh, okay, it's not that bad. You read something, but when it's the subject, well, the questions don't really make sense according right. to the passage. So it's like, well, wait a minute. Maybe I didn't read it quick enough and retain the information correctly. So, right. Uh, I learned, I learned the hard way and I really took it serious the next time around. But, uh, yeah, I had to, my other scores were average, uh, but not enough to bring that up severely, you right. know, so. I said I better do it one more time and 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 do a lot better than what I did on the I I did a fifteen as well. <laughs> That's all good. That's okay. So here's the next right. So now you're in dental school. You got into what school? Uh, UT uh, Houston. UT Houston. So you get into UT Houston. You're about to start, right? So that was four years ago. So 2014. You're about to start school, right? You're excited. Here's the yeah. question I have for you. Your first two years, on the level of one being really easy and 10 being incredibly hard, how were your first two years? So first year, I remember the seniors always telling us freshmen, oh, think of the first year as a gift. And we were thinking, oh my gosh, you don't know how busy we are, blah, blah. So second year comes around and we have neuroscience, biochemistry, all these other upper level courses, basically science courses, you know, the first year was more, uh, 
I don't know, do PowerPoints and, you know, do case studies. So here we were thinking that was stressful. Then when we got to second year, it was a lot more stressful. So if I were to say first year, eh, um, maybe a three. Second year, I'd say an eight. Oh, wow. Okay. So second year was when it really got hard for you. It was really hard. And I think that's where I lost all my my canines and molars. I have severe wear facets. I started really brushing. (laughs) So you were uh, were just grinding. So, so well, what was, I mean, what was so hard about your second year? The second year was neuroscience. We had a lot of courses that they now have changed, uh, and, uh, kind of separated those science courses out. I think we had neuro, we had it all in one semester and now they're like uh, kind of dividing up the science for, geez, I'd have to go back and look, but I know neuroscience was one and we had a cadaver lab where we had to go to medical school and, and actually, um, travel. So we had to actually take a shuttle and, uh, you know, between classes and going into downtown. So it was pretty just the stress alone trying to get there and going in between classes. I think and staying at the medical, uh, at the medical school, learning the cadaver like till midnight, um, was pretty stressful. I think anatomy, a lot of anatomy, you know, um, that's when we had a, uh, quite a bit of, uh, hard science core classes in one semester. Okay. And so do you have any medical school friends? Yes, I did. I had uh, two of them. Okay. And so when you actually talked to them, would you say that you had it harder your first two years or they had it harder their first two years? Oh, we had it harder the first year. We would always compare uh, the dental students. So when we had cadaver lab, they did too. And they were actually a year ahead of us. So they were there to kind of help us, you know, guide us. Well, every time we would ask them about head and neck uh, areas, they would not know. <laughs> they would always say, well, we didn't get that detailed. We only, they knew the main big arteries, but not, you know, certain nerves. And, and uh, they just knew the big major organs. They didn't know the fine details. So right. we were kind of on our own on that. So isn't it funny that, you know, we have to know the whole body, but they could care less about the head and neck area. Yeah. Isn't that, that crazy? You know, that is crazy. Uh, you know, most of us dental students back then, we're like, we all would look at each other and we would tell each other, we should have went to med school. <laughs> <laughs> right. It, it would have been easier so for the first two years. You probably, you know, can go ahead and, uh, and enjoy a few beers as, as uh, absolutely, other people have, you know. Absolutely. We had to be in class every day and they could do their, uh, they could panopto from their dorms or their apartments. But yet, no matter what, we had to be in class every day, no matter what. So your first and second years too, while you were taking all these classes, uh, you know, science core classes, anatomies, physiology, biology, and all that stuff. Were you also doing any kind of hands-on activities, like trying to become dentist? Trying to, I'm sorry. Were you doing? Were you doing a lot of hands-on courses as well? Um, second year was uh, basically kind of the introduction to the hands-on. We were more in, in lab. Okay. We started the second semester of second year, starting to see a patient maybe one patient you know for the whole afternoon right like maybe twice a week that well, sort of type thing. oh that's fine but i mean when you talk about lab what do you mean by that explain lab ah, so lab yes we would do a lot of like waxing um do drilling uh do some like uh class twos uh they would have like the type of dons and we would practice on the type of dons, right. uh with our hand pieces high speed 
explosive. They would give us a teeth that uh, actual we would have um, extracted natural teeth in the jar, and we would practice on that. You know, kind of mount them to certain type of dots, and we would drill and learn how what a real cavity feels. You know, on right. the natural tooth. So, so you kind of start introducing us how to remove the case. I got you. So basically, it's like a mannequin for you to practice on. Correct. So you yes. go into so now you're going into your third and fourth year, third and fourth yes. year. What what I mean you this is when you started seeing patients, correct? Correct. And and so yes. did you feel like your third and fourth year were very difficult? And what was so difficult about them? You know, I would say the clinical part for myself uh, was a easier transition than academically. You know, because I have a family. You know, studying and the book was a lot harder for me. I felt that I was able to grasp the concept for the clinical part. Uh, and it was because I used a lot of indirect, you know, vision with hygiene. So when I actually started putting the, you know, using the handpiece, I was able to, to do it at, with a easier transition than some of my classmates that had never done dentistry before. So your 13 years of being a hygienist came in handy your third and fourth year then? Very, very gotcha. handy. I would do the one-on-one uh, hygiene because I, when they taught us how to use scalers and, you know, uh, the hygiene instruments, um, it's almost like you had a, a one-day type of uh, uh, class. Uh, we went into, you know, the clinic, practiced on each other, and that was it. And then from that point, they expect you to do you know, profies and SRTs on real, on real people. Uh, after, <laughs> after, after one day of teaching you. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, we're yeah. going to get to that, right? Because that, that's probably my biggest pet peeve about dental schools, but we'll get there. Another, okay. <laughs> another, thing, another thing that, uh, you know, um, I'm guessing helped you was you had 13 years of actually talking to people. Were there anybody in your class that was just awkward, like when it came to actually interacting with patients? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> wonderful. They were wonderful in the book, but could not, could not get that, you know, patient relationship going. They were very shy or very short or did they had good, you know, uh, the best chairside manners that, you know, uh, really mean a lot to our patients. You know, um, that's the number one key. I feel, you know, in all honesty, patients obviously, obviously don't know how good of dentistry they are receiving. Their main importance is, you know, do they feel comfortable? Do they feel safe? You know, um, that, that, having that, uh, that relationship, doctor patient relationship is very important, you know, and uh, I, I say that that's the number one key. If you can get, you know, build that relationship of that trust, I feel that, you know, you will have a successful practice wherever you're at. Okay. Well, so then here's, let me flip this around on you a little bit. Do you think that some people actually use that against patients, meaning, you know, they're very good with patients, so therefore their dentistry kind of slacks. If their dentistry sucks, patients won't know any different because patients like them so much. Absolutely. So it kind of works both ways, right? Yes, it does work ways. It's a double-edged sword. And I, and you know, you, I would hope that there are good ethical, you know, dentists out there that would not do that. And I would hope that they would get better as time goes on. I understand, you know, being a new dentist, you may make some mistakes because you are learning. But especially if you've been practicing, you know, I I would think the ethical part of them is not only have that loyalty and that wonderful patient relationship, but also be doing good dentistry. 
Okay. And so so we skip forward, right? So you, you're finishing up, you're about to be done with dental school, right? And you had to take a written exam, right? But then you also had to work on patients for them to see if you're competent. And I want you to talk about that part, because this is the part that always confuses me why dental school still has this. And it really bothers me because the only other profession that tells basically dentists before you graduate, you have to actually work on a live patient is barber school. Barber school is the only other profession that uses live people to determine whether or not somebody is competent to go do their job. So talk to me about, you know, this whole process of you're about to finish school and you have to take regional exams right uh, on people right. so talk to me about that how was that for you so this is this is how i view the the state board exams you know i i can understand uh, in all honesty i can understand the written I, I i get that okay to make sure that we have our facts straight you know but for the past three years in dental school we've been seeing patients and obviously you know we get graded for that you know we have a licensed dentist that look over our work our professors to see okay, you know, we, we are doing what we're supposed to be doing when it comes to dentistry. As far as like the state board, the clinical one, where we have to have the, the real patient to do our dentistry, to me, that does not, I don't agree with this state board exam because, you know, I believe, and I, I know this because this happened to my classmates this year. Uh, they took the state board. They did very well in all through the years of, of dental school took state board and they failed it because they got nervous. They couldn't think straight, you know, because uh, they're under pressure or the time management or their patient is late. And so it put them in a bind and then they had to hurry up and do their procedure and then got marked off, you know, uh, so many points that led them to, you know, fail the whole exam. So let me try to summarize real quick for people that are listening. So one, you have to depend on the patient to show up that that day, the day that you're assigned, not any random day, but the one day you're assigned. And the one thing we know about patients is they're not always the most reliable. Okay. Correct. The second Mm -hmm. thing is you hope that when you go in there, the cavity is ideal. And now let me tell you, what ideal means, meaning that they have parameters that they have, they basically measure. Okay. And you better fit within that parameter. Now, if that cavity gets too big, you have to stop what you're doing, ask them, Hey, can I actually continue to remove more of that cavity? Okay. So here's what I I kind of complain. I don't think it's right that we have to sit there and depend on so many variables being exactly ideal when life is not ideal. I've never met a single tooth that I did that was ideal. I never did anything on a patient that was ideal. There's always something because it's a human body. Right. But this is what they ask you to do, right? Bring the patient on this specific day. The patient better not be sick, better not have any any family issues, or you fail. And when you fail, it's also now you have to wait and go maybe take the exam somewhere else. You might have to take the patient with you and you have to pay again. Right. Which is what I'm, right. I mean. I think when I was doing it, it was uh, and this is oh nine. It was eight hundred dollars. Yeah. Is this still so about the same? Ours, I think we had to pay thirty two hundred. Thirty two hundred. Right. Yeah. So 3, again, thirty two hundred. And if you fail, you have to do it all over again, and you exactly. have to pay the same amount. And and mind you, Houston. So there's three dental schools in Texas. Houston takes theirs last. So that means if we fail, we have to go out of state. 
we can't be in Texas to take art. Yes. So, so in order to we, be, in order to be a dentist, you have to not only depend on patience, you have to work on live patience. You hope that everything is ideal. And then you have to, if you don't pass the first time, you have to pay more money and go somewhere else to take the exam. But after the four years that we've gone to dental school, proven ourselves through clinic and academics, past all that, we still have to prove ourselves with one more final clinical exam which to me is does not make sense. Right. And and the funny thing is, it's not like they actually test you on things that you're really going to do a lot, right? You do fillings and uh, the cleaning, the deep cleaning, correct? Correct. correct. Right? Uh, the crowns and uh, root canals and stuff you do on a mannequin. That's correct. Yeah. <laughs> so it's yeah. not like, so it's not like you're they're saying hey do everything on patients. They say oh no we're going to select what you do on patients and what you don't do on patients. But yet yeah. you when, if you do well and you pass all this now let's go work on people. <laughs> yes. Right. Uh, Everything is now on on, on on people. Yeah. So so you know and and to me it bothers me because you know there are a lot of people that graduate and, and are very good with their hands. But there's a lot more other people that graduate are not that good with their hands. Right. And you can't right. tell the difference as a patient. Exactly. Exactly. Tell me, yeah. if you don't mind, um, requirements. How many, you know, crowns did you have to do to finish dental school? How many root canals did you have to do to finish dental school? How many fillings did you have to do to finish dental school? Sure. Um, so we had to do 17 crowns, um, eight removables, three root canals, uh, uh, I think 75 extractions, restorative, you know, like fillings and stuff we had to do. Not considered by how many it's considered by TCUs, meaning like a, I don't know, patient care unit. So, okay, I don't know, over 100 or so fillings or something like that. Right. And if, you know, you've been out for about what? You've been graduated for about four months, five months, if I do the math yes. real quick. Correct. So it, within that time, I can guarantee you've done way more. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. So, so you go from being in school and being required to do in two years seven crowns, you know, however many root canals, however many dentures, and then you come out and now you're seeing way more. Absolutely. I uh, I can vouch for that. I did four crowns today. <laughs> <laughs> so you would have been halfway through dental school. And that, <laughs> in one day. Exactly right. In, in one, one day. day. So That'd so. This is the part that kind of makes me think, okay, you know what? There's got to be a better way. Yeah. Because you go from not doing much to now being thrown into the world and you have to do so much. Right. But you're not ready, right? You have to learn how to pick up your speed. You have to learn how to, you know, talk to patients for some of those people that graduate are are very inept about talking to people. You have to get comfortable with making decisions on your own because you had doctors that were helping you. That And that's the biggest challenge. I think if I had to speak for myself personally, I think the biggest challenge for me, it's not so much the dentistry part, it's the treatment planning part. Right. Making sure that I am treating and planning the best treatment plan, the most ideal treatment plan for the patient. You, you know, know, but... Because go ahead. A lot, of, a lot of different dentists may have a different opinion, you know, so... Uh, and... And there is, there's not just one way to doing something, there's multiple ways. So it's, which is the best route first, you know? Um, so that's, and, and to make sure the patient understands that, you know, relating that to the patient and that they're on the same level with you. So 
I think if anything, that's, that's the, the challenge, you know, um, because I want to be able to sleep at night and say, you know, I've given Mr. Aka the best treatment plan for him, you know, with, with whatever financial, you know, um, uh, expectations that he had right so and and you know let me just i guess speak a little bit for you uh-huh. because i have the pleasure of working with you and i've never met anybody who was so eager to want to learn more and so eager to ask questions right and so you're very unique if i have to be completely honest because i've worked with people that just graduated and they uh-huh. they think that they know everything and i have to be the one to kind of smash that dreams and expectations say you don't <laughs> you don't know much because I remember being in your position and I didn't know anything. So it makes you That's think right. you're better than somebody else. And I know for sure I was way better than you. You see yeah. what I mean? But but right. for you, you at least say, hey, what can I do to learn some more? You right. know? And, and right. that's something that I feel like a lot of people need to kind of tone down their ego. You know? You know, it's so funny. I, I, I love learning. And I know you and I, you and I, we've talked about this, you know, many times. I, that's why, you know, I adore I honestly respect you highly for not only your knowledge, but the person that you are, because you are such a great mentor. You know, I, I never knew really how to section the tooth until you came along and said, yes, just do this, this, this. And, you know, I mean, that's, that is, that's what it's all about is learning from your, your mentor. You know, you are a wonderful mentor, you know, a specialist that I can actually learn from that I didn't learn in school. You know, I didn't learn how to section, you know, a tooth. All I did was simple extraction, you know. Right. But right. now having you there mentor myself and my colleagues is, is wonderful. You know, Dr. Patel, we, we, we totally adore you. We know that if we had any questions or anything, we could turn to you and you will, you will help guide us. I mean, let's start off by saying you're probably going to come back on this show multiple times. I like this ego boost that you're giving me. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But uh, but no, I mean, you know, the funny thing about that is when I was going through school, I had the same thing. I had a mentor that kind of said, hey, this is how you do this. This is how you do this. Right. And I do believe that there are people if you just don't feel comfortable you can go do more, one more year, two more years of residency, you know, right. general practice residencies or whatever. And I feel right. like a lot of dentists look at that as like a taboo subject, like, oh, no, why would you go waste your time and do this? But to me, I don't look at it as a waste of time because I actually did that, you know, right. and, and I'm not right. saying that it's for everybody. I'm not. Right. And I'm not saying every general practice residency or one more additional year, it's all the same. There are some residencies that are garbage. And there are some right. residencies that are very good, you know? Yeah. So just like dentists, some dentists are garbage and some dentists are very, very good, <laughs> right, you know? Right. It no. all fluctuates and it all changes, you know? So in the end, I honestly think you got to be honest with yourself. And I think that's, that's the hardest right. That's the hardest thing and for I, a lot of people. I do. I totally agree, Dr. Aka. I, I think residency, you know, uh, AEDD, GPR right. is wonderful. I honestly would have done that, however, with my age, you know? Um, you know, being, uh, my husband was very supportive right. of straight eight to nine years as I went back and did undergrad right. and then straight dental school. So it was a, at least a good eight years and having, you know, the five children. Otherwise I would have loved to have done it, but I felt that because I am always willing to learn that in my case, I didn't have to do a residency because I knew wherever I went to practice, I was going to do my own residency on learning as much as I could from my peers. Right. And I know you have, uh, your office has an endodontist, an oral surgeon, a periodontist, 
a pediatric dentist, an orthodontist, all in one roof, right? Correct. That you can actually learn yes. from. So you're what very, more could I ask for? <laughs> right, right. You're very, very lucky in that sense. And I think that's awesome that you have that. When it comes to student loans, let's switch subjects because, I mean, this is the part that bothers me and you'll see me get a little angry. But when it comes to student <laughs> loans, I feel like we work so hard, right? You get out of school, yeah. you think, okay, I put in the effort, I put in the, you know, endless nights, I studied hard and I got out. Now I got to pay the student loans back because student loans, I mean, I don't know, but I know the average now is what, like two fifty dollars to $300,000? Correct. That's a house. Yeah. Yeah, that's a house with yeah. no with no return on investment, really. That's right. You know what that's I mean. Right. Uh, and yeah. so you have this much to pay off. Do you find that it's very difficult to pay that off when you have a a family like yourself? Absolutely. And is that the struggle Absolutely. that you see now with your peers and everything else too? Oh yes, yes. You know, from my colleague that's single, no, you know, family or responsibility, he even struggles. You know. Um, and of course, you you know, for myself that I do have a large family on top of that. That that is that is a, a huge struggle. And then, the, you know, being a new dentist, you know, of course we don't start off, you know, uh, very high. So, you know, that that payment doesn't change <laughs> right. from the beginning to the end. Right. So here's a question for you: If you, your one of your kids said, "I wanted to go to dental school." Right. And you know how much debt and everything that you have to kind of take on. Would you say yeah. they should do it? Yes. You would I, still want them to do it. You know, I would say to do it for the dentistry part and the love and passion for dentistry. Hopefully mommy will have, you know, saved for their college education. <laughs> it's to me, even though it's a high price that we pay at the end, this is my opinion. It's priceless for me. Because it's something that I know that uh, God has given me a gift, you know, for me being older as well, you know, um, I feel I feel like I'm not only touching people's smiles, but their lives. And I know all dentists probably feel like that, you know. No, they don't. They, they don't. They don't. I, There's a lot of bitter dentists out there. <laughs> so, right? so this oh, is very yeah. unique. So keep speaking. And so, you know, I, I, I take that with... Uh, I, I take that to heart, you know. I was, uh, I thought about medical school, um, and the one of the reasons why I didn't go to medical school is because I, I, I take it too much to heart. I, I don't think I could, you know, um, bear taking death or anything and going home and sleeping. Right. Um, so that's one of the reasons why I went into dentistry because I was in the medical field. I used to work in surgery. I was a surgical pet. Oh my and God. And I would work on trauma people and, uh, I, you know, I really thought about it, but I just couldn't deal with the aftermath. Um, I, I'm, I guess many of my close friends and family say I'm too soft hearted. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's okay. That's perfectly fine here. Okay. So here's another thing, right? You were, man, you, you, you've done a lot. Medical tech, you were a hygienist, you're a dentist now. You know, with all this being said, do you think the dentistry is going in the right direction. Ah, uh, on a big, broad aspect. Yes. I would say yes. You think I, it's going I the right direction? Uh, and, and it all depends in which way. Um, in, in the direction of hygiene, as far as, you know, nowadays people are, are uh, you know, are able to retain their teeth more because of hygiene education. I mean, it all depends on what you're asking on 
if then in which way dentistry is going. Okay, so when I mean by is dentistry going the right way, do you I'm talking about when it comes to technology, when it comes to dentists looking at patients not as dollar signs, but as people. Ah, with high okay. remember you have high student loans right and i'm not going to talk Correct. about just you but i'm talking yeah. about in yeah. general right we all okay. we're all in d- the dental field we all know That's what people right. are doing do you think yes. dentistry has become more of a let me sell you something versus exactly. let me treat you yes i do if you're li- if you're asking that yes i do i uh you know being in the dental field for quite some time i have seen change you know, with a lot of, uh, from private practice, you know, to corporate, DSOs, I've seen different things. And yes, dentistry to me, depending on where you're at and as far as company wise, you know, whether it's private to corporate, I, I, there's different visions, you know, for the patient. And a lot of them are, are coming to patients being numbers. And that's not my belief. I do see that in today's society. Okay. You know, back in the day, I, I, I didn't, but today I do. I see. And, and what do you think is the blame for it? It's all business. Um, I feel it's, it's, uh, I don't see it a lot in private practice, but I see it more in today's corporate. Got you. And, and, and so you, do you think that in the end, if we, you know, maybe eliminated the amount of student loans, do you think that dentistry would go back to the way it was, which was patient, patient focus? Or do you think that we are too far, too far gone? No, I, I feel that it would, it wouldn't be thought as just a number. I feel it would be more patient relationship basis than just number, you know, 25 for the day. So before we leave here, okay, if you had to give advice to new dentists, dental students, pre-dental students, what advice would you say? I mean, because again, I'm I'm beyond this, right? I'm probably bitter and old and angry about everything. But as <laughs> someone who is so fresh to this, what advice would you give to the dental students, the pre-dental students, you know, about high school students, about becoming a dentist now? The one thing, Dr. Aka, that comes to mind is that don't come in it just for the money. You come in it, you come into this business if your heart is truly there and dentistry is your passion. If you're coming because you know that, you know, dentists live good lives and, you know, they make a lot of money, that's, that's, all for the wrong reasons. Everyone wants to make good money. And I understand that no matter what you do. I get that. But you have to really, really, because it's a lot that we go through. So the price that we pay is very high as far as everything that we go through from dental school to the aftermath of student high student loans. You better be willing to say this is what you really want to do. Otherwise, find another career because it is, it's very, it's, it's very, it's a very hard journey. It's a journey that anybody can do if your heart is there and you're dedicated and devoted. Wow. Very well spoken. I mean, I'm, yeah, that was actually very good. I don't want to ruin it by continuing to talk. So I'm going to leave it at that because I feel like <laughs> you ended that 
beautifully ended up perfectly. And I do believe exactly what you said, which is, you know, a lot of people think that, oh, I'm going to be a dentist. I'm going to make a lot of money. And me personally, I still drive a RAV4, a 2006 RAV4. You know, I've said that before. And I mean that because my mindset has been focused on, let me get my student loans paid off. You know, my wife makes fun of my car a lot of times. I think most people make fun of my car, but it's okay. I love my car. You know what I mean? You have to accept (laughs) it. You know what I mean? That in the end, you can live above your mean, but you're just basically perpetuating the same stereotype and you're basically going to be miserable because you can't afford everything exactly. you know and and you just exactly. have to kind of realize that what you do i mean because honestly dentistry is annoying sometimes you know Absolutely. patients will irritate the heck out of you but if right. you love what you do and i mean this from the bottom of my heart if, if you love what you do it really is a lot of fun it really, Absolutely. really is. You know? Absolutely. I totally agree with you. you and know? that's why I say if you're coming into this field, let it be from the heart, not from what you can gain from it. Because what you gain from it is so, it's so priceless of just the patients themselves. You right. know, just when you see them there and they just adore you for what good that you've given them, not just the pretty smile, but just the trust and the patient-doctor relationship, it's priceless. For me, that's priceless. I think that $300,000 loan is worth it. You know, I'm, I'm, I, I want to do this until the Lord says I can no longer move my hands and feet, you know. So for me, I will do this until I can no longer do it anymore. Well, that's awesome. Well, so before you, you know, we uh, go, um, is there any, like, business um, email or anything that maybe – pre-dental students or dental students could uh, maybe use to contact you so that they can maybe shadow you or something because I feel like you are somebody that could be a mentor absolutely I if I can do it with five kids like I said (laughs) anybody can do it you just have to be dedicated and devoted that's that's you know when I first started dental school they said what Everyone has to say like a little a motto of of your name with the first letter of your name and I always said my name is Nan and the N stands for never give up. There it is. No matter how hard it gets, no matter what people tell you, no matter what, you never give up. And that's that's what I tell myself and I tell my children and my friends and family. So I would definitely, uh, anyone that wants to contact me, my email is nan, like short for Nancy, N-A-N dot M as in Mary dot Rosas, R as in Robert, O as in Octopus, S as in Sam. A as in Apple, S as in Sam at gmail.com. Perfect. Perfect. Now everybody's heard that. And hopefully people will get a hold of you because, like I said, I think you will be a great mentor. And, you know, we hope to get you back on here for other stuff that's Absolutely. a little more positive. I would love I think, to be back. You know, I think you spun <laughs> it in, in as much in a positive nature. And I do appreciate you coming on. And uh, we hope that. People got a chance to understand what you go through as a dental student, what you go through as a, as a new graduate, what you go through as a dentist. And, and you know, hopefully we get more questions and stuff like that. Because, I mean, this was something that was asked by me. And I said, well, I got to find somebody who I respect and appreciate to come and talk about their experience. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I, I said, I'm, I'm way beyond that. So I wanted somebody with, with fresh eyes, you know, who's not bitter. <laughs> So. Oh, it's always a pleasure working with you, Dr. Arca. And anytime, if you ever need me or anyone has questions, you you know my email and you know my information to contact. Well, we definitely appreciate you and we want you to have a good night. Okay. Take care of yourself. Take care, everyone. Right, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Tooth Be Told. 
If you have any questions or comments, please email us at realdentist with an S at gmail.com. That's realdentist, R-E-A-L, dentist with an S at gmail.com. Remember, the opinions on this podcast are just that, our professional opinions. The final decision about your health should be made by you and a trusted dental professional.